0: to Maghreb in Past and Present Podcasts, a space dedicated to history, politics, art, culture, sociology, anthropology, and many other subjects. This episode was recorded on the 3rd of February 2023 by the Centre d'études maghrébines in Algerie, SEMA. In this podcast, we will confess your Associate Professor of Francophone and African Studies, claremont Makina College, California, to speak about Amazir Sisterhood in Poetry and Songs during the Algerian War.
1: Hello, Uh, the title of my communication today is Amazir Sisterhood in Poetry and Songs during the Algerian War. So the indigenous women of Kabilia have been the subject of interest, not only during the colonial conquest, but also during the Algerian war against the French. The Kabyle region resisted colonial invasion until the 1860s and was the last region of Algeria to be defeated by the French. Once the region was vanquished in the 19th century, women in Kabylia were the object of an odd experiment, that of Frenchifying them, that is making them French. This experimentation included elements such as forbidding tattoos for women, changing their names, Christianizing them, and marrying them to French men. This experience of forced assimilation was for the most part limited to the Kabyle region and was short-lived and unsuccessful. However, during the Algerian war, French propaganda also targeted women. Simply put, The motto was, as Fanon put it, let's win over the women and the rest will follow. While the military was engaged in the war, the colonial administration used a vast array of services which functioned as a propaganda machine. Women were principally targeted by these services whose main objective was to have women break ranks with men. For example, there were specific radio programs in Kabyl one of the Amazon languages in Nigeria, to convince Kabyl women to side with the French colonial system. But women never broke ranks with men and were never interested in any individual or gender focused battle. These multiple attempts by the colonial power to appeal to women and to have them dissociate themselves from men, albeit unsuccessful, uh, made me wonder whether Kabyl women ever created women's groups or organizations during the war, and if so, how they fared in a society profoundly patriarchal and communal. Indeed, while there are many Amazil heroines or iconic figures throughout North Africa from the Tuareg queen, Tinhinan in the fourth century, and the queen warrior, Dihia or Kehina in the seventh century, to the present, one wonders if there ever was an inclination for women to organize into groups or associations exclusively dedicated to women and sisterhood. So the title of this section is the Kabil Beehive or the Amazon Girl Scout, the first instance of sisterhood question mark. So this is what I thought was what came closest to the notion of sisterhood here. In Kabilia, the first occurrence of an all feminine group or organization Coincides with colonization. Thus, the creation of La Ruche de Kabylie, the beehive of Kabylia, was a movement organized by missionaries in the 1930s in Kabylia. The religious presence was not only felt in education, but also in events and activities outside schools, such as scouting and summer camps. These spaces were important for the children and youth at the end of the 19th and 20th century who lived harsh lives, you know, in sickness, poverty, emigration, etc. A book by Bahia Emelède, entitled La Ruche de Kabylie, which came out in 2014, uncovers for the first time this history of Kabyle women, which is otherwise little known or forgotten. The author collected testimonies from women who remembered La Ruche and were nostalgic of the time they shared with their quote-unquote sisters. The women showed a strong emotional attachment to their respective beehive, uh, which they associated with happiness and worry-free times. These moments of learning and relaxation were often lived as unique moments of affirmation of their personality and self-expression, away from social regulation and family constraints. It was an initiation to a certain mode, to a certain form of modernity brought by colonization. This institution founded in 1940 by the Sore Blanche, Blanche, White Sisters, directly targeted Kabylia girls and young women. Interestingly, this organization only existed in Kabylia. It provided a different model of self-affirmation outside of the traditional women's model, which was very strict. The young girls were not deterred by the rigor of the missionary model, which was very demanding. On the contrary, they were curious, enthusiastic, lively, and eager to learn. La Ruche marked them for life and represented, very often, a unique moment where they affirmed themselves. In Kabilia, scouting only recruited boys, and so it was only in 1938 that the scout movement for girls, whose laws and code were inspired by scouting, was created. Interestingly, these scout groups served the revolution afterwards and prompted the latter creation of the Muslim scout movement. These organizations created a culture of exchange with common activities and an openness to others. One of the reasons why the Ruche was so successful was because its values were in line with Kabyle values, such as courage, lightness, effort, work obedience, discretion, etc., and which made it easier for families to accept. One of the songs advises, and I quote, l'âme toujours heureuse rend la famille heureuse, aux autres il faut penser et oublier," which translates with uh, the soul always cheerful, keep your family happy, to others you must think and forget about yourself, end of quote. Not only did the girls and their teachers write and sing poems and songs inspired by Scouting, the girls called the bees also produced some poems and songs in Caville, for example. And it translates uh, by you the bee with a pure heart, you only do good deeds, you speak with few words, and your words are always wise. One song called Thimdilith in Sneft Well, The Meeting of Two Bees, speaks of two girls from the Rouge, the beehive, who meet again. The chorus is taken from a popular Kabyle love song, sung by the well-known couple, singers Noira and Kamal Hamadi, and it goes which translates between you and me separation is difficult you and me it is until death takes us apart the language of passion and love applied to friendship here is unusual while the concept of sisterhood often reiterated so for example we consider ourselves sisters is a novelty. Moreover, in a song dated 1950, many is with Elise, What a Bee wants for her daughter," there is the promotion of progressive ideas about education that were not widely accepted, let alone implemented, in France at that time. Uh, the following song is about the next generation of girls. Uh, it encourages the bees to rejoice at the birth of a baby girl and to treat girls and boys equally. It also stresses the importance and value of education and intelligence in little girls and encourages them to refrain from physical punishment. And goes, which translates, with bees from the beehive, sweet ones, do not look down upon girls. I will educate her. She shall be a good girl. I will raise her with intelligence. Uh, punishment is useless. So, once a mother, the bee, quote unquote, uh, shall enroll her daughter in the ruche, she promises not to marry her off at a young age, and especially not to someone she does not know, for her daughter should choose her future husband. It is interesting to note that the teachers did not expect the bees to implement these ideas for their own marriage arrangements, which could conflict with Kabyle traditions, but they do expect the bees to apply these new standards in a near future, that of their daughters. These innovative ideas carry the potential of a cultural slash social revolution in Kabyle society, especially if realized on a large scale. The War of Independence thwarted these transformations, despite the fact that Beruche continued to function well until the late 60s. From my research so far, uh, this experience of women's association was unique during the war. Because of the scarcity of written testimonies, historical documents and accounts of such potential organization during the Algerian war, I have turned to oral testimony and other forms of literature to trace Kabil's sisterhood and feminism In the war poems created by women I gathered while in Nigeria, I realized that there is a a genre of Kabil women's poetry about the war of independence. There are hundreds of these poems, and musicologist Mahana Mahfi and Hamdan Lashed also collated those uh, such poems. They are usually nationalistic in tone, um, mostly created on the spur of the moment, as if to record and testify about the event uh, The event itself. Some lament that someone was caught or died at the hands of the military. Other songs express grief for the death of a youth, sympathizing with his or her family, invoking the mother's unbearable pain. They condemn the French military and their hierarchy assistance and glorify someone's sacrifice, so that others might have a free future, or they praise a successful operation against the enemy, despite the fact that the poems were created and sung by women during the war, women are not an important part of the corpus, and when they do appear, it is to sympathize with their suffering and or mourning their death. I selected the poem below, which is about a French captain whom all the women I spoke with mentioned and clearly remembered. Because of his cruelty. His name is Captain Oudinou, and he was a captain of the paratroopers in the region of Benidouala. His violence against men, women, and children was legendary. He later became a member of the OAS, the settlers' right wing terrorist organization for French Algeria. Interestingly, the poem is addressed to Oudinou's wife, and he goes, a tham Αφαντός νουδινό, ολολατερ ζην ποιμές. Σε αδαλγείς σμέθα. Αντίδνευε διλ αμβύλως, αντίδνυσε δράχτ And the translation is: You, wife of Udino, you have nothing to be proud of. You have a shameful husband. We will bring him to you in an ambulance and leave his body by the door you will mourn him and feel sorrow and pain. Udino's wife here is told that her husband is a disgrace and that he will be killed. Then the women imagine the pain and sorrow Mrs. Udino will feel when she sees her husband's dead body. The poem highlights the imagined strong relationship between Udino and his wife, but also creates a bond between the the captain's wife and the Kabyle women. By addressing Odino's wife, the women assume that she has the same feelings as they do and that she would suffer terribly when she sees her dead husband. The speculative relationship between the captain's wife and the Kabyle women is mitigated by the presence of the man. From this and other poems from my informants, it was clear that suffering was not, as I first thought, to be considered only as a personal matter, but a communal and familial suffering. Kabil villages are a network of families that are intermingled and where everyone is related to everyone else. Therefore, these women and their poems are not feminist in the Western sense of the word, nor are they seeking to create a sense of sisterhood. Furthermore, dissociating women from men in order to gain access to women's individual stories was not feasible. And I discussed this at length in uh, in another work. Uh, in summary, the experience of the beehive was unique. One has to wait until 2001 to see the creation of an Amazigh women's organization called the Collective of Women of the Black Spring. And it was founded by Kamira Naitseed and Faruja Moussaoui. Indeed, in 2001, the Black Spring movement, Black Spring, which is Tefsut uh, Teverkent, emerged in Kabylia. And it was sparked by the uh, gendarme's assassination of a youth called uh, Massinissa-Germah, which led to protests and riots against the government and against its cultural and linguistic marginalization of the region, along with the Arabization measures put in place since the 1960s. The collective called for the end of the massacres and the removal of the gendarmes, but the declaration of the Women's Association proclaimed something new, in addition to the usual MSR claims, such as democracy and the recognition of Amazir culture. Indeed, the women's movement called to put an end to the family code and the customary law, which, amongst other things, prevents women from inheriting. A group of Amazir women, for the first time, voiced women's issues while declaring their solidarity with the Amazir region, the people who were imprisoned and strongly denounced the government's brutality and racism towards Amaziran. It is important to note the need women felt to express solidarity with their community and create a collective which speaks to their need of fighting and resisting, not just as Amazir, but as Amazir women. Comparatively, Algerian feminism in general had a modest start in the 40s, with associations campaigning for girls' education and women communists, in you know, the PCA, addressing social uh, questions. Uh, though issues of uh, around marriage, repudiation, etc., were not addressed. During the Algerian war, women transgressed segregated uh, spaces with their participation to the war and during marches. Their sacrifice and role were later, later uh, acknowledged with some recognition, but one had to wait until 1980, 81, to see women separate themselves from their quote unquote brothers, and coalesced as a feminist movement in opposition to the family code. Among Algerian feminists, there are many feminists who are also Amazir, though their militancy is not directed towards Amazir women's issues. Amazir feminism, on the other hand, took much longer to emerge and take off. This delay can be explained by the layers of oppression Amazir women face, not only as women, but also as Amazir. Fighting for women's rights in Amazigh society would be equivalent to fighting for women's rights during the Algerian War. So it is not surprising that this feminist movement emerged as a movement in solidarity with the rest of the Amazigh population. Despite the latter, some, co- uh, some construed the creation of this association as a distraction or worse, a division or opposition to the Amazigh movement, which is supposed to integrate all elements of Amazil life. Some did not understand the need for a a women's association of the Black Spring. Others did not approve of an initiative, which at its best was redundant and at its worst was weakening the movement. Still, the 50,000 Amazil women the association was able to mobilize, testified to the need, pertinence and timing of such an event and organization. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Magribin Past and Present podcasts. Other episodes are available on our website www themagribepodcast.com as well as on iTunes, Podbean and Spotify. For more information on our podcasts, visit our Facebook page Magrib in Past and Present Podcasts. Subscribe to SEMA newsletter at www.sema-northafrica.org or visit the webpage of the American Institute for Magrib Studies. new episode.